and gentlemen, welcome to What the Fuck Bites, brought to you by Salty Mermaid Entertainment. All right. <laughs> I forgot this is being filmed, and I just realized I was staring off into the abyss. <laughs> Me too. I keep like nervously no, looking. No, no, no. Be natural. Just <laughs> yes. like, oh yeah. <laughs> Show everybody what it's really like. We Everyone are just die inside. <laughs> now getting comfortable being audio only. So yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm Jen Scott Pickett. Hi. I'm sitting here with Chase Salt Pickett, Anonymous and Adam. Yes. Now, what the fuck is what the fuck fights? It's a friendly little competition <laughs> to see which one of us Adam can decided come up not with. to break eye contact with the camera. Okay. Well, I'm still gonna do my speech. <laughs> okay. What the fuck is what the fuck fights? <clears throat> it is a fun competition to see which one of us can come up with the craziest stuff from the internet. I think that belt's got you feeling a little cocky today. Nope, yeah. just trying to tolerate you two. Yeah, well, you know, in you're doing regular great. life, Chase is my partner in the show. He is my tolerated partner, antagonist, <laughs> opponent. <laughs> Each week we have a new theme and Anonymous Adam is both our judge and our referee. We have just started filming the podcast. For those of you who are just listening, if you want to watch us be awkward as fuck, please go to YouTube. Um, also, you can check out the blog at any time at saltymermaidentertainment.com. And there you can see links and pictures and things of that nature. All right. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at saltymermaident. And... Now for the weigh-in. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, like she said, it's time for the weigh-in. Yes. This week's theme is what happens after you die. Yes. After I kill them, they're going to find out. Great. <laughs> and we won't tell you. I will have finally <laughs> escaped. Yes. For this week's theme, what do we have, Jennifer? All right. I have so much. I'm going to do my best to like just get into it. Okay. I'm going to talk about the striking number of similarities between people who have um, what they call near-death experiences. Usually that means that they die and come back. So mm. I don't know why they say near-death because you do actually die, but okay. A woman who died with her friend, but only one of them came back. Oof. Um, a physician who not only died, but came back with visions of the future. Mm. A man who has had multiple near-death experiences. <laughs> a neurosurgeon who died and knows more than the most of us because he knows how the brain works and that his brain could not have projected this because his brain was dead. And lastly, I'm going to talk about a man named Chuck who got ran over by a truck. <laughs> Chuck and his trucks. <laughs> Chuck and his truck. You know, I had the thought. Fuck. I was like, why did you call him Chuck and not Charles? Now I know why. Now you know why. Yeah, it wouldn't rhyme with truck. <laughs> exactly. So. All right. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Your turn. Um, I also have things today. <laughs> um, mine is a subcategory called shared death experiences. So it's um, where death doesn't just happen to one of us, but it happens to more than one of us. So At the same time? Yeah. Yeah. So he told me before we started um, the podcast, when we were researching, that that was the topic he claimed. So I saw the term pop up, but I didn't research it at all because I'm very curious to know from your perspective what that is. Well, lucky for you, it's not my perspective. I mean, like this is your... a perspective <laughs> of a doctor. Okay. <laughs> who coined anyway shared death experiences? I've never heard of this ago. until this week. I didn't know it was a thing, so that's cool. Yeah, I knew that you were going to go ham on the other side, yes. and I was <laughs> on the other side. Yeah, and I was looking through stuff, and I was like, boring, boring, boring. It's not I was like, well, boring. This, this is interesting to me. I was like, because I was like, I don't know. Yeah, so shared death experiences kind of interesting. Okay. That's what I got. Do you know why so many mentally ill people love Dr. Pepper? Because it has 23 doctor? flavors. Because <laughs> it's the only doctor they can afford. Oh. In I America, can, yeah. that might be true. <laughs> you know, it's not wrong. <laughs> other I like other Dr. countries Pepper have free health care. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's great. I uh, tough <laughs> through it. Suffer through it's it, true. if you will. It's true. Chase will like be half dead himself and will not go to the doctor because he doesn't want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because it costs all of your money. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main event. Yay! To my right in the sleeve corner, he's covered in tattoos that include, but are not limited to, a tiki head, a boxing merman, and of course my personal favorite, the taco on his butt. <laughs> this man bleeds ink and has more tattoos than brain cells. It's Chase! Wow. wow, bleeds ink, and what was that? More brain tattoos cell? than my brain cells. <laughs> yeah, a little... Savage. 
little jab there. That was for almost eating my steak, you dick. (laughs) (laughs) And to my left in the air fryer corner, fitness is her passion, but it has to be when your diet is 90% fried pickles. She's hastily tucking away her bottle of ranch and avoiding eye contact. It's Jane. Also true. I've been uh, on a cardio kick lately, and then I come upstairs after being on the elliptical and treadmill, and I eat mac and cheese and fried pickles. I'm sorry, Chase. Yeah. That's okay. I regret a little bit of it. Used to being singled out, so that's uh, fine. Yeah. Can't wait to move out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, awkward. I'm gonna start. Okay. Let's just start. Hey. <clears throat> you start. <laughs> okay. So um, the first thing I want to do is talk about the commonalities that exist um, from the multiple people who have had these experiences. So. Most of them report feeling very safe and loved. Now, that seems like a very obvious thing, but I think because death is so terrifying for most people, especially in a lot of these cases where people do have situations where they're dying in a very abrupt or painful way, for them to suddenly click over to this feeling of light and warmth, it's pretty significant. Mm. Um, There is usually either that you recognize a loved one who has, quote unquote, come to get you, or there is a group of spiritual beings. Um... Time no longer exists in the way that we convey it. They say that over and over. I don't know what that means exactly, like what that feels like per se, but that comes up a lot. Seeing multiple scenes or memories or your entire life in one flash, which is interesting because a lot of people say that that happens like at the moment of death. It would just be a giant flash of me on the couch. Getting tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) So many couch photos. In my life memory. Did you do anything else? Yeah. <laughs> right. The only thing that changes are the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Mine at this point in my life would be mostly just sitting in a chair reading a book while Bastion is in my lap. So, yeah. He just grows up all the way till he's 18. <laughs> 18 I'm still holding in my lap while I'm reading. Yeah. Um, there's also a distinct feeling of being connected to all of creation. One guy said that basically it was like if I were to touch a a leaf, I would become the leaf, which sounds like, you know, weird, but beautiful in its own way. Um, seeing, oh, this one's really cool. Um, seeing multiple things in regular life at once, um, or they're often standing outside their bodies watching what is going on. So just to paint a clear picture, it seems as though there, as though there are two main phases. When you die, um, you are outside of your body or above it, and you're watching the scene of what's going on. And then there comes the thing, you know, the walk toward the light. So some people seem to die and wake up in the light and other people seem to be kind of like transitioning to the light. So people who um, have not made it to the light yet are usually, they're the ones who like report feelings of like confusion. Yeah. I mean, basically um, what's fascinating about that though. And I think this is part of where the time thing comes in. People will report seeing things like if they're on a surgery table, for example, they can hear the doctors talking, they can see the doctors, but at the same time, they are aware of the conversations that their loved ones are having in the waiting room or like their child's at home with a grandparent and they're seeing all of this at once, which is mind blowing, you know, and when they come back to life, they report these things and the family members and doctors confirm that it's all true. So how the fuck, you know what I mean? If you're on a surgery table you're outside of your body. You can tell what the surgeons are saying. You can also tell what your you know, mother said to your daughter at your house. I think there's a simple explanation for this. Oh, yeah? The anesthesia did not work. <laughs> <laughs> and you suffered through your surgery okay. while watching everyone in the room. Okay, but what about the people who are in the house, not in the hospital, or in the waiting room? It was all just a dream. Okay. Astral projection. <laughs> Basic, some version of that, right? Um then what if they're like, he just went through a tough surgery, so whatever he says, just agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Dorothy, like you were there, you two were there, and Auntie, you were there. And I'm like, yep, you're shut, right, Dorothy. Um, shut up. So there's also um, an abrupt ending of pain, which is nice because again, a lot of these people are in excruciating pain if they're in a car accident or something, and then suddenly when they quote unquote die, the pain is gone. Euphoria which makes sense, but like, yeah. Um, And this is one of my favorite parts. There is, for many of them who have made it to the light, there is a sense of disgust or annoyance at being returned to their physical bodies, which I love to think of like these doctors working so hard to save people's lives. And they're like, fuck you, man. Why why did you bring me back? 
Yeah. So <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> now I have broken legs. <laughs> yes. Many times they're like, yeah, all of a sudden I go from this warm light and everything is beautiful and I'm a leaf. And now suddenly <laughs> I'm in my painful body. I can't walk for two years. Could you imagine <laughs> like your patient is out and then all of a sudden he comes to you and he's like, <gasps> no, yes. I was a fucking leaf. <laughs> I was a leaf. Yes. Like, and I'm going to take a break. <laughs> right. Dr. Taylor, you can take over. Yes. My job here is done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Um, This is another very significant thing um, that NDEs are recalled with unusual level of intensity and lucidity over decades, and it leaves behind no fear of death. So these memories that people have are not something that fades like over and over, like they remember it vividly for the rest of their lives. Um, And something else that I really think is cool is most of them who come back come back with psychic abilities, what we consider psychic abilities, because they have accurate premonitions of the future and they're more in touch with like, you know, I guess that's super consciousness or whatever. Um, Also, I think this is interesting. In a previous episode, we talked about reincarnation. So what um, is cool is people who can remember past lives, sometimes they can remember the act of death and the act of being born again. And very rarely people can report what happens in between the lives. And it's always this very similar description. They go to this place of light where people who know them and who were like telling them what you need to prepare, be prepared for for your next life. So it's just interesting to me that it all lines up. Can you hear? I can barely breathe. I'm like talking so fast. <laughs> like, it's interesting. It is. I'm just like so excited. Um, let's see. The medical conditions under which NDEs happen are too varied to explain a phenomenon that seems so widespread and consistent. Science is desperate to explain the experiences and does have some theories, but they don't have any that have been proven so far. Um It's significant because the brain is dead and should not show any activity. And also this most often happens with no drugs in the system. If a person has drugs in their system, like for pain, it's less likely that they'll experience a near-death experience. And before we switch it over, I would like to point out that millions of people have experienced this. Hmm. Millions. Mm -hmm. And in recent times, our modern technology allows us to bring more people back from the brink of death or whatever. So it shouldn't be shocking that like we hear more stories now, but what else is cool is when these events happen, oftentimes they're surrounded by medical equipment and professionals. You know what I mean? Like it's people who are telling you your body is physically dead. We have you hooked up to stuff, monitors and stuff. So like, how is your, it's not your brain doing it. Something else is doing this. Dead leaf. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't breathe. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay. Um, you're gonna give us a story? No, I just wanted to. <laughs> it's oh, no, it's I was a just, encyclopedia I'm, in our ass. Yes, I'm setting the stage for all of this, and I will tell one brief story and then turn it over to you. Okay, so all of these things are significant and consistent, no matter what time in history you were born, because we have documentation from like the 1800s and stuff of people experiencing this. What culture? What religion? It's especially fascinating to me when it happens to someone who is a scientist or an atheist or something with no like predisposition to like make up like a heaven or a God or whatever, right? If anything, they would be inclined to do the opposite or to not open their mouths about it, right? So there is the one situation, um, I believe her name is Julie and her friend Robin were in a car accident. And I think this um, is a good foundational story because they both died and Julie recalls like she could feel that her friend's neck was snapped in the event. So like she didn't know that, but the thing that she said struck her the most significantly was that she felt her friend's spirit leave the car. Mm. And then she felt her herself, like she was injured. She has like broken jaw and like pelvic, like all these bones that are broken because she's crushed in the car. But like she felt her, her friend's spirit leave. And then she felt herself leave her body. And what's significant here is that we talked about the two phases. So when she arrived at whatever the tunnel or whatever the place where she's outside of her body, she and her friend are both there. And there is this like being, <clears throat> this group of beings who are talking to them and saying, you're both okay right now. One of you, I'm going to take you both to the light. One of you has to come back. And this girl, Julie, she felt terrible because at first she was like, I want to go back because who doesn't? Most of us feel like we are here and we want to live. So she felt a little bit guilty because her first was, I want to be the one to come back, you know, and this is again, her outside of her body, but not quite to the light. Once they changed her and put her in the light, she was like, fuck that. I don't want to be the one to go back. And so I thought it was a very interesting thing that when you hear about these near death experiences that are more negative, they probably didn't make it quite 
that far because mm-hmm. that was her experience. And then, like we talked about earlier, when she did <clears throat> um, come back to her body, she was an extremely a lot of pain. To this day, she has to fight some of the pain because she had so many broken bones and stuff that her body is just kind of like that's what yeah, she has to deal with. Now. So in point. comparison to what she experienced. But I think what was nice about that was a lot of people have survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. And in her case, because she got to experience her friend at peace and she's almost like jealous of that, mm-hmm. that like allowed her to like love, live some semblance of a normal life, I guess. Yeah. <coughs> okay. I almost Are you talking. good? <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm so excited. Like you're going to cry. Jen wants to die so bad. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to die. I'm so I'm my brain is like running in a billion places because I spent so much time reading about all of this, and I'm already reading books about things of a similar nature. So, like for me, I'm just yeah. Jen, Jen has liver's guilt. <laughs> liver's liver's guilt. That sounds like an so alcohol. Bad. I was problem. about to say. <laughs> Stop talking about. Well, my that alcohol. also applies. <laughs> it all applies. All right, your story. Go ahead. Um. So. I will also, I guess, set the stage. It won't be as lengthy. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it won't be. I was just making a statement. Yeah, so hers, what was the acronym for yours? NDE. N-D-E. Yeah. Near death NDE. Yeah. So mine is SDE. Stupid Shared. death. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, but Cinema. no. Yeah. Um, so uh, most of us obviously have heard of the near-death experiences, um, which she just basically discussed to you. So the stories of people who have died and returned to life with tales of floating through tunnels, all the distant lights. Obviously, she named off a lot of different things that have happened or that could happen. Um, obviously, very puzzling. So stories about shared death experiences have been circulating since the late 19th century. Um, basically, the very few people who actually study this phenomenon. I think it's yeah. definitely more rare. It's way, way, way more rare than near-death experiences, which is why I think I have never heard of it. And Jen had mentioned no. she never heard of it. You ever heard of shared death experiences? Mm-hmm. I think some of it, once we get into it, you're like, oh, yeah, that definitely sounds like something I'm familiar with. But some of it's very like... What the fuck? Like, how? what happened there? Um, the twist in shared death stories is that it's not just the people at the edge of death that get a glimpse <laughs> of the afterlife. Those near them, either physically or emotionally, also experience the sensations of dying as well. Whoa. Wait, the people who are not actually dying? Yes. Oh. They have nothing to do with the actual death, which, again, which sounds pretty crazy, and some of it is pretty crazy, but some of it, too, when we get into, like, testimonies, you're like, mm-hmm. I've heard of people having experiences like that, and you're like, okay, maybe that's it's just like a subcategory of a shared okay. death experience. Um, so what they've done is they've broken shared death experiences into four different categories of experience, sensing, <laughs> witnessing, accompanying, accompany, <laughs> a company. I could do this. <laughs> Guys, let me. Accompanying. Is, yes. that, it? is that it? Accompanying. Yeah, say an enemy. An enemy? Say that abdominal. Was easier. Abdo- I can't say abdominal. Abdominal? Abdominal. Oh, you're talking about the snowman. No, I'm like abdominal. <laughs> abdominal. I can't fucking say it. Now I want to <laughs> do a video snowman one. about a snowman with a six pack. <laughs> yes, sexy no, ass. Be abdominal snowman. <laughs> 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 we'll save that one for Christmas. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, sensing, <laughs> witnessing, accompanying, and guiding um, are the different like subcategories that you can, you can pop into for your shared death experiences. Um, so this guy named William Peters, he's the one that coined the phrase, and he is like the one that's championed the research of, of this yeah. um, from the very beginning. So he's the bigger part of it. He's got books out, and people have obviously been a part of his work. And I don't think it's been a tremendous amount of people, again, because it's, it's more rare than, than obviously people dying and having these certain experiences. So he started this research because of an experience that he had Um, And this is the story that we'll start this off with. William Peters, he was working as a volunteer in a hospice when he had a strange encounter with a dying man that changed his life. So the man's name was Ron, and he was a former merchant marine, and he was afflicted with stomach cancer. Um, So obviously, everybody, I'm assuming, knows what hospice is. You're on the brink. Um, 
Peter says that he would spend up to three hours a day at Ron's side and he would talk to him and read him adventure stories. Um, you know, and family and friends would pop in there, et cetera, and so forth. So Peters, he was reading passages from Jack London's Call of the Wild as the frail man mm. struggled to hang on. What happened next was inexplicable. Ooh, good job. I just wanted to say the word. You say that so ah, Fuck you and your brain cells. <laughs> My brain cells are on, on fire. <laughs> so Peter says that um, he looked over, and this man, he could tell, was basically in his in his words he basically felt like the man was about to die and he was just going to continue reading he's used to this <laughs> hospice experience reading. he's like i'm just going to keep doing what i can to make this experience <laughs> as pleasant as possible i can't yeah. imagine what that would be like having yeah. to witness that so much but these people mm. are for it and they do it and i'm sure it's helpful so as he is watching this guy the guy looks at him takes a deep breath closes his eyes Peter says he feels a force jerk his spirit upward. Dude, I got chills. Out of his body. He floated above Ron's bedside, looking down at the dying man. Then he glanced next to him to discover that Ron was floating alongside him, looking at the same scene below. Ron then looked over at him, and in his words, he looked at me, and he gave me this happy, contented look as if he was telling me, hey, check this out. Here we are. Yeah, and then take he a went YouTube, motherfucker. <laughs> and then Peters shot down. To hell. No. <laughs> <laughs> Peters didn't die. <laughs> he was not in hospice because of <laughs> stomach cancer. Okay. okay. All right. So um, Peter says that he felt the spirit drop back into his body again. And the experience was over in a flash. Ron died, obviously, immediately um and then questions from that point lingered so share death experience obviously this is a physical mm-hmm. where somebody next to you and it has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. peter's obviously is in good health he's there right. of assistance in the circumstance and when the body next to him mm-hmm. is quote unquote leaving the body it also jerks his spirit up too yeah to where both their spirits are out of their body one of them gives a little <laughs> little wink, little wink, little wink, wink, and says, "I feel great," and then Peace shoots out. up, and then the other one drops back into his body. Um, and this is when the research, the research of shared death experiences began. That's fantastic. <clears throat> it's wild. I believe that all of us have these abilities, and we sell ourselves short. And so, I think somebody like him—he's <clears throat> obviously intuitive because he could feel before it happened that he was probably about to die. He's right. Had lots of. So, I think that opened him up more to like. An ex- I don't know if that is consistent with your other. Yeah. Well, stories, and for but- what it's worth, again, like the shared death experiences and the subcategories um, between like feeling and the intuitive mm-hmm. that something's about to happen and all yeah. these other things, and and some of those are pretty crazy. And I think I I have. I can a testimony myself to some of those not as extreme mm-hmm. as that. That right there is, I think, in my opinion, as extreme as it gets. Oh, yeah. yeah where you're part experience. of a physical experience that someone else is supposed to be experiencing yeah. alone and to be a part of that. Um, yeah, I wonder what, what made it that, that if he's in hospice situations regularly, what was it that made that particular time such a... I don't know because a lot of it for according to a lot of the texts I've read, mm-hmm. a lot of the SDE stuff comes with a sense of um, what's the word where you feel more at peace. I think mm-hmm. actually more at peace, yeah. like acceptance where they're, they're able to be a part of it because it's going to help them. That makes sense. But that doesn't make sense as much for Peters <clears throat> because he had no connection to the guy. Um, and again, his was a physical experience. Not everyone has physical. One physical experience outside of this one that was also listed, which was more at the at peace, is a woman um, was in a hospital and her husband was dying, and she was obviously terrified because you spent you know I don't know how many years married to the guy, mm-hmm. and was having more or less panic attacks about how the fuck am I going to do this? Where is he going to go? Type shit. Yeah. He dies. And whenever he dies, it was the same situation where her spirit was also jerked out of her body as well as his. She got to accompany him all the way to the light. Wow. And actually was able to hand him off. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like the car wreck story. And then she shot back. Yeah. And because of that, with 
she also got to experience the sense of euphoria mm-hmm. and the peace and the painlessness. But I guess it was, yeah, um, just enough to let her know. Right. That was it. Yeah. She was like, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I know where he's going, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that's way better than where he was. Right. And I feel good. And yeah. I'm just going to patiently wait to also die now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah cool, so, cool, cool. right. So that was another rejected. Yeah. So that, and outs, what's weird is outside of also the, um, the subcategories of those, there's also other sub subcategories outside of that of like guiding. Um, oh, that's very uh, interesting that a directing. human would be the one and not, yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty, so pretty interesting. My next story reminds me vaguely of this. Um, and I think, Chase, you may actually remember this one. This is something that I first sh- uh, saw on that TV show we watched a while back called Surviving Death. And Surviving Death has a variety of things from reincarnation to mediums to like, you know, actually. Yeah, it's a lot. Death. It covers yeah. a lot. But there was a woman on there and this story stayed with me more than a lot of the others. So um, I read up on her some more during this week. She actually has a book out. I have not read her book. I didn't have time before the podcast, but um, I'll put a link on our blog in case anybody else is interested in it. So she um, is a physician. And I think that always stands out to me more when it's someone who, what the fuck, there is a bug in here. It just won't stop landing on my nose. Uh, assassin. <laughs> it's probably a spirit. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Bitch. So she was the director. I came back as a fly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not only somebody you wronged in a past life. <laughs> she got. She was the director of spinal surgery at the University of Southern California, and she was kayaking in the '90s. I want to say in Chile or some other more rural type area in another country. She. Um, make a long story short, her kayak was overturned. She was trapped under a waterfall and then her body was like pulled out of the kayak in a very like tumultuous water area, right? So she felt her body breaking against the kayak. Yeah, like her ribs and all the stuff because of the pressure. And then um, she was submerged. Her body was under the water for like 30 minutes. Like, oh my God. She was 100% like dead. You know what I mean? No oxygen. As a matter of fact. D-E-D. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, um, is there, one of the quotes says, after 90 seconds underwater, Neil couldn't have been breathing anymore. I don't know what happened. One witness said, we're 24 minutes into it. She is dead. She's blue, waxy, no heartbeat, no breathing, cold to the touch, dead. But miraculously, the mother, mother, the mother of three, <laughs> was able to be resuscitated and suffered no brain damage, which again is significant. A lot of these people, they don't just die. It's like if you miraculously come back, how the fuck do you not have sustained brain damage after being without oxygen? Yeah, I mean, for such a long time, immediately begins to break down. Exactly, <laughs> right? So that's pretty crazy. Um, and the the experience gets crazier just from the people who rescued her. You know, they get her body out of the water. They're shocked that she's able to come back to life. And then because she is damaged, they like literally have her stretched out on a kayak and they're like carrying her through the woods, hoping that when they get to her road, they can find somebody who's got a donkey or a tractor or a horse or, you know, something that can get. And they come out of the woods and there's a fucking ambulance. Oh, my God. I get chills every time I read like, what? There's just an ambulance in Chile in 1990 in this rural. Like, it's crazy. So anyway, they get her um, to the hospital and all that stuff. So what's significant is that she had all the experiences that we talked about, being in like the light, the the love, feeling all these things. But she says that she, more than anyone else, or more than most, had every reason to try to prove to herself that it was a hallucination or it was some kind of like chemical weird thing in her, her brain. But again, how, if your brain is dead or you know what I mean? Like if your brain is not operating, how can it be your brain making this happen? But she was so desperate for it, not just because she's a doctor, but because while she was there, <clears throat> while her experience was pleasant, they gave her this like, I guess, forewarning that her oldest son was going to pass away before he like really made it into adulthood and for her to be prepared. But that, I guess, part of the reason for her to experience it was for her grief or maybe, um, which she touches on that, even though you know that it doesn't like absolve you of grief in the sense of you still miss the person. Yeah, you're still human. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you're still human, but there's still a sense of peace. At least you're not terrified of like, did they just cease to exist? You know, are they in some other like weird place like at least there's the security of like hey which i think that's why it's cool to talk about this too 
even those of us who haven't had that experience is like give some semblance of hope instead of this fear of like we're dead and then we cease to exist or we're dead right. and awful and happens. And it's important, <laughs> obviously, too, like, you know, even everybody at this table, we all believe differently. Yeah, you know? we have very variety has of views. Very different beliefs, and everyone listening is going to be the same way. So it's not to say that one thing or another is like this is concrete what it is, but you know, to touch on what Jen said, it's more about like something. I you think know, being like, open-minded to open it. Open to that um, there's something after this, I will whatever that is. borrow a phrase from the actual neurosurgeon that I'll talk about later, but he considered himself an open-minded skeptic. And that's how I see my, like, I'm very open-minded. I love talking about, like, shit that other people are very black and white about. But, you know, I'm skeptical about a lot of stuff. You you read enough, though. You have enough. You know, I don't know what happens next, but I, I just have a really hard time believing, like, nothing happens next because too many people have experienced Things in life and afterlife, you know. <clears throat> anyway, her son did end up passing away at like at 19 or 20, um, which is a hard pill to swallow, yeah. you know. But it also, in a weird way, and then, you know, and she did point out what the unfortunate side effect of that is that it was like 10 years after her incident. So you're waking up every day like, is this the day that my son, you know. And so there's like, that's a very complicated area. And she, again, does have a book. So I'll put that on our blog. I haven't read it yet, but... I thought it was very fascinating between her being a doctor, all the crazy circumstances with her and then her son passing away, you know? Yeah. So again, if someone had a, a reason to try to like say this wasn't real, it would be her, but everything was yeah, pretty th- real. I think she was the one too that, like you pointed out, commented on um, time being more linear and that in the sense of that whenever she where was... it was not linear. Yeah. 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 Ex- yeah that's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Not linear to where she could see the whole timeline of her life. Yeah, um, there was even the thing before the light where she could see, she was in that weird um, in-between phase where she could still see them with her body and Limbo. she could see her, yeah, and then but she felt compelled to go in the other direction and she went there and then had the little interaction and then came back. Right. And of course felt immediate pain because all her bones were broken. It took her like two years to walk again. Or some crazy shit. Yeah. I want to be a leaf. Human is so fun. Give me a leaf. <laughs> anyway, your turn. Woof. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be a blueberry when I come back. <sighs> what if you just end up in a Kroger bag? <laughs> I love Kroger. Yeah. yeah. I will be overpriced and Are delicious. You, you, will you will definitely be overpriced. This little gnat that is in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? There's no bug. I don't. There there's no is. bug. I keep seeing it. I bet that guy also wanted to be a blueberry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I would like to clarify. I don't think reincarnation involves people coming back as leaves. I'm just saying that there is this connectedness where you that. acknowledge that we as humans are all connected and also we're connected with our world and stuff. Everything is made of energy. Everything is alive. That is true. That should make a children's song that says that. They do. What's it called? The wheels on the tree go leaf, leaf, leaf. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. What's your next one? <laughs> All right. So back to shared death experiences. Um, Why do you let me talk? <laughs> I'm trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I interrupt. <laughs> Where's that net? <laughs> um, so outside of like the, uh, the physical experience that Peter's had, um, this is an actual testimony from um, a nurse and a collective of nerf- nurses, not nervous, <laughs> nerves, nerves, or nothing. <laughs> All right. What is the dumbest um, shit that always gets me? Uh. Um, so people who claim to have shared death experiences obviously tell a lot of similar stories. They recount the sensation of their consciousness being pulled outward um, out of their body, seeing the light, everything we explained earlier. Um, but that is obviously a first person um, testimony of like what happened. So they had a specific nurse that had a very specific experience. Um, and then do she's not Peters obviously, but due to her experiences, she started getting testimonies from other nur- nurses because as you can imagine, they're around, there it. are around people yeah. that, um, that people that pass and kind of like, Hey, what's been your experiences? Have you had anything that's like hard to explain that you yeah. never want to talk about? Cause you're afraid you'll be ostracized. And yes. People <laughs> believe you and they'll fire you and yeah. you'll be a, you know, little lunch lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, I'm just geez. saying. Well, if your passion is to be a nurse, <laughs> okay. I don't want to serve lunches. No one wants to be rejected. Right. Especially in their field of interest. Yes. So Penny Satori, uh, she was a nurse for 21 years, um, did not become a lunch lady. 
says that she had a deathbed vision that left her shaken. One night, she was preparing to give a bath to a dying patient who was hooked up to a ventilator and other life-prolonging equipment. She says she touched the man's bed and everything around them completely stopped and became very still and very quiet. She says her surroundings disappeared Mm. and it was almost like she swapped places with him, which Mm -hmm. was very odd. Mm. She says that she could suddenly understand everything the man was going through, including feeling his pain. He couldn't talk, but she says that she could somehow hear him convey a heart wrenching message. Leave me alone. Let me die in peace. Please just let me die. Shit. (laughs) That shared experience spurred her to conduct a five-year investigation into such stories and publish them in her book, The Wisdom of Near-Death Experiences. Um, But even before that experience, she says that she and other hospital workers had other eerie um, things that would happen to them right before people would die. There would oftentimes be sudden drops in temperature in the entire room where it would go from just feeling normal to absolutely cold Um, or the opposite. Um, that it would go to really hot and really warm. Did which, they assume? <laughs> <laughs> um, or a light would surround the body just before they died. Um, okay, can I interject here? Because yeah. all jokes about hell aside, there was one kid I watched, and this is a 16-year-old when he died, and he, I thought, did a good job of explaining this. Where He said if, where he was, he was in his school, and but he was in the hallway suddenly and he could look in classrooms but the classrooms w- were empty and it was very cold so it sounds kind of like what she was experiencing in her environment but then he was like the light was almost he's like the best I could d- describe it is the way that like if you are on a cold street and it's snowing and you see a lamp yeah. like the, the warmth well it's like you said earlier it's every <clears throat> everybody's testimony to transition is different yes some it's immediate some there have been accounts of being in a long hallway, like you said, right. with a door at the end. Yeah. You know, there's... And I think a lot of that is like because we're creative beings and we kind of project our version of events to some extent. Yeah, and also know? too, um, you know, there's... there's Even with some of the shared death experiences, there was a lady... Um, I don't think this was the nurses, but the nurses, on top of some of the other stuff they have, just to finish that up, mm-hmm. um, they said it was never, it was not uncommon for clocks in the room to stop working on at the oh time of death. Oh my god! Like all the clocks would stop in the room, and they would have to reset them or put new Dude, batteries in I them. I just got chills again. This um, whole episode. Yeah, or lights would flicker yeah. at the time yeah, of death. Lights flicker, yeah. um, and some of them too. You know, obviously hers, hers was a terribly painful experience to to feel like she swapped and to hear him yeah. in her head that sucks um but other people have been in the room and and said like the surroundings disappeared and or the room tunneled out to where like mm-hmm. he said it was it was like looking i think one testimony said it was like looking up like you were sitting at the bottom of a manhole. You felt like that you were just looking up at this circle of light and mm-hmm. you felt like you were sitting in the bottom of it you know, move it. yeah, yeah. Um, there was one testimony where, again, somebody on the sidelines, chick, you know, fucking chilling out, mm-hmm. fucking having some bugles, whatever. <laughs> and like the person passes and beings, mm-hmm. beings, there's often multiple, were, yes. were there and no, nothing was said, but she got this sense that they were relatives of the person that was mm. passing. Furthermore, the beings noticed that she could see them. And since it wasn't what she expected, they she like, was hide. visibly, <laughs> she was visibly panicked. Yeah. And that this, again, this is a testimony yeah. that the being noticing that she was panicked. And again, they didn't talk. They, they, it was telepathy that they apologized and they, they let her know that everything was fine, and the being, what it did was it transformed itself to look similar to an angel mm-hmm. to put her more at ease because that was it. her interpretation of peace. Yeah, like you know, like if yeah. you're a religious person and you, and, and like if you believe in heaven and you believe that is on the other side, 
and you see somebody standing at the end of the bed when your your friend passes, yeah, you would assume that if something's going to be there, it would be a quote unquote angel. That's what mm-hmm. we. That is our interpretation as humans. We don't know. We don't fucking know, right? right? So the being noticing, like, oh shit, like. <laughs> look I'm in at my me. skin. <laughs> yeah. I'm an angel. I look like a tall gray, you know. Exactly. Who, right? A- aliens, I just want to point this out. <laughs> aliens and angels, they're both beings that are similar enough to human beings that if you go by the Bible, they could even like mate with humans and create giants, but they're from the sky and have abilities beyond us. So basically, aliens right. and angels are the same thing. All I'm saying is the being noticed that she was panicked yes. and it, cre- it, it created what she described to be like fiber optic wings that Shit. came out of itself to be like, oh, chill, look, 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 look girl. I'm an <laughs> angel. I'm, yeah. I'm an angel, baby. Like, you're safe. And then she felt she felt more at ease. Yeah. And it made the experience more pleasant for her opposed to scary. Sure. Which I think, again, was like the sense of peace. Yeah. Like, you know, if you had to be there, like the, the goal is to make the people around. Feel better about <laughs> right? it. Yeah. Like, I, wanna I know, saw like, aliens come get my friend. <laughs> right. Like, which, you know, the beings, whatever they are, they're like, which one of you fuckers? Like, yeah. Like transmitted or whatever, the wrong person. What is it like on Star Trek when they beam them up and you're yeah. like, why didn't beam you get Scotty. this other person? They, they were not in our group. Like, hello, child. <laughs> They're like, ah, fuck. I'm in my streets. Right. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about that? Um, he, uh, it's totally unrelated, but he never says beam me up, Scotty, once in the entire series. Really? Yep. How could he not say that? Wait, not even in the new ones? Mm-mm. Are That's, you sure? That can't yeah. be real. <sighs> never once What does it. he say then? He just says beam us up or whatever, but Scotty's the one who does it, so it's just like a miss. I feel like he. Oh, that I, is, I felt like in the newer ones that they were. Trying I did. To we give just a, watched it. I mean, it, maybe in the newer ones they're yeah. like. I will say this. Ooh, hoo, 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 stupid. But they did. If if they did it, and I'm not saying they did. I I have. I could be creating this memory, and mm-hmm. I, I do that all the time. <laughs> but it wasn't like they were trying to like beam me up, Scotty. That it was more like a beam up, like beam me up, Scotty. Scotty. Yeah, like, it was yes. like it was like yes. that. Beam yes, me up, that's how. Scotty. I I remember it too. Yes. Yeah, but I'm not saying that's right. I don't know. I don't want to say 100. percent We just recently watched one of the newer movies. I feel like that was an event. But anyway. And there's aliens in that movie too. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as Luke. I am your father. Yeah. Now that one did was a mind fuck. Yeah, yeah. that's because that they, he doesn't say that. It's true. Yeah. Luke. All right. So um, this story actually is also related to yours. In that you said that um, one of the nurses had the experience of kind of switching places, and so. What I thought was, this is a guy, um, he was a young Marine, and he has experienced near-death experiences like three times. And now what he does with his life is he tries to visit veterans. This is unfortunate. And so I will put a link to his organization because a lot of veterans, especially during pandemic times, die alone. You know, and that sucks because there's so much that they are put through in this human life. And then we kind of, you know, leave them hanging a lot of the times in their when yeah, they get there's back. definitely mm. not a true. I, I think I hope that it's getting better to yeah. where there's a better resources. But as you stated, I think statistically speaking, yeah. there's still a tremendous amount of people that do not get the support they need. No, and we expect so much of our military, and then a lot of us don't really understand how. Yeah, much we're we keyboard don't. warriors, yeah. while other people are actually out <clears throat> doing things. Yeah. So. Um, Brinkley was a star athlete, U.S. Marine, and a successful businessman, not very interested in spiritual matters. But that changed in 1975 when a bolt of lightning struck a telephone pole, traveled down the phone line, slammed into his body, melting the phone that he was holding. That's scary. It went into the side of my head, above my ear. It went down my spine, he says. It wielded the nails of the heels of my shoes to the floor. It threw me up in the air. I see the ceiling. It slams me back down. A ball of fire comes through the room and blinds me. I am burning. I am on fire. I am paralyzed. Then he left his body. Floated along with the ambulance as it raced to a hospital. Oh my God. I hate the fact that this guy <laughs> might go back to his body. Like, <laughs> right? I'm like, no, right? that sounds um, so terrible. So he floated along with the ambulance as it raced to a hospital. He watched from above as doctors declared him dead. He said 28 minutes later, he awoke in the hospital morgue. 
Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yes. When it, like not even in the hot, like he in the morgue. Waking up in a dark box. Oh and my cold, God. Can you imagine the guy naked? who finds out that he's not actually dead? You know, Banging like everything in there. <laughs> right? I'd probably just wake up and think I was at home because that's how I sleep. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. In a box. <laughs> in a box. Very oh cold. God. I just had this flash. You know how like back in the day they would accidentally bury people alive and they had the little bell system. How many of these people were dead and they came back and they had a near death like experience and they're like, oh fuck. Well, I guess I'll just go back to the life. <laughs> They're like yeah. in this weird man. Yeah, that what's up? <laughs> you have a bigger purpose. <laughs> so you just roll over trying to continue your dream. <laughs> right. Okay. So during those twenty-eight minutes, Brinkley says his his consciousness traveled through a tunnel where he encountered a spiritual being of light. He underwent a grueling replay of his entire life. But this is what I think was significant. Um, as not seen only from his own perspective, but everyone he'd ever encountered. He said that he saw himself through their eyes. Every interaction he's oh, ever wow, that's had. That's crazy. Yeah, he said it was mm-hmm. extremely humbling, especially a guy from the military, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, I saw my, this is his quote, I saw my entire life past performing a 360 degree uh, panor, is it panorama? Panor- panorama. Panorama. Thanks, guys. Um, I had missed nothing. You know how many hairs were in the nose of the doctor who pulled you out from your mother? You know everything there is from the time you open your eyes. You have complete cognitive awareness, no doubt about it. And it's all happening at the same time. Then you watch the same life from a second person point of view as if you were your own best friend. So you see how silly, how funny, or how dumb, how stupid it was, but it's your best friend. There's no judgments. You're just looking. And then you literally become every person you've ever encountered. And you feel the direct results of your interactions between you and that person. So no one gets away with anyone with everything ever. Not scary. But it's fascinating because it, it the way he says it in a way that's not even like judgmental, like they're judging you. Because when I was raised in religion, it was very much like your life will be on a scream, a scream, a scream, yeah. and everyone, everyone will, will be judging. And you're like, oh my God, I'm in the bathroom. Oh my God, I lied about the pencil, you know? Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know? Not the pencil. <laughs> I was a very good student. I was a very good child for the most part. I didn't do a lot of bad things, but I was terrified of like someone seeing me like in the bathroom. Let's see or... those moments where <laughs> I walked out of Kroger and they had the water in the bottom of the buggy and I forgot to scan it. Yes. And I'm like, do I go back in and scan it or do I drink these fucking waters? Right. <laughs> right. So, um, but I think it was, it was so fascinating that you see it. And so it's like you see yourself from other people, but like not in a judgmental way, but like, yeah, you're not getting away with this. And like, what better way to learn than to feel what that other person kind of like when she switched to what he was when he was saying let me go let me die yeah so in a flash he was back in his severely injured body it took him two years to be able to walk again um, and he didn't tell many people what had happened when he did tell his family they didn't believe it which that's unfortunately what coming happens. back after that liar <laughs> i mean honestly the guy was awake um, in the morgue i think just let him have this right yeah Um, But in the same year as the lightning bolt incident, a Georgia physician, Dr. Raymond Moody, which I don't know if you saw him in your studies, Chase, because he's very, very famous or well-known in the world um, of the near-death experiences. He's got a book called Life After Life, Life, and he is the one who coined the term near-death experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So they interacted a lot and stuff. But fast forward, 1989, Brinkley died again during open-heart surgery. Once again, he visited what he perceived to be the afterlife. That's the point where he wrote a book. <laughs> he saw his, those movies again, and he was like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I know how many I've hairs are in the doctor's it. nose. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, I think that he eventually actually had he one during. asleep during his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> God is just like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and this is what I think was fascinating, too. Um, he... He had another surgery that he ended up dying from. It's just crazy. I think once you're sensitive to it, once you're, you know what I mean? Like it makes sense. Sensitive to to dying? Yeah, you know, if you're going to have a surgery or something. Not another dying. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sleeping. Uh, Okay. You're going to go dying again. Um, But this was what was significant because I think a lot of um, military people must struggle with this because so many things are put on their shoulders that they witness or that they experience or that they do naturally. And so there would probably be the fear of, you know, guilt. And what happens to me? Am I going to be punished or some shit? 
So he said, if I didn't go to hell in the last four journeys, then nobody's going to hell. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it wasn't me. <laughs> right, right. So when you learn, you don't die. When you learn you're a spiritual being, you're not going to hell. And that is enough to inspire you to change. And that makes me want to cry because I think so much about religion does, you know, they, it's fear. it is fear based, but people can change and be better versions of themselves without the fear. We can inspire each other to like, you know, we don't have to have that. Yeah over our heads. Yeah, topic for another day. I, I think there's a <clears throat> tremendous amount of things, like, and depending on your beliefs, so there's a lot of things in this world that I think are meant to be these giant guidelines to mm-hmm. kind of keep us in place, you know? Because, like, for instance, if you if you knew 100% like reincarnation was real, mm-hmm. right? If you knew. Like, yeah. if, you, if you knew every life before this, you knew what you'd done. Yeah. If you got bored with this one and you knew you weren't going to go to hell, eh, you know, jump off a building. I'm ready for the next life, right? I mean, I mean, I mean am I wrong? Yeah. I'm not, right? I mean, yeah. If you're like, this life sucks, <laughs> I know that I will be reborn again. Mm-hmm. There's no fear of a hell because of, you know, things that we don't like to talk about, like mm-hmm. suicide. What would you do? You end it. It's over, right? Yeah, but I think that also <clears throat> is what challenges you to like really do it for the right reasons. Right. But my point is, is that no one would do it for the right reasons. I don't know. Maybe we would. Well, then why, then why don't we? Maybe we are right? doing it. But we're not because we don't have consciousness of our past lives. Some of us do. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> don't listen. <laughs> I don't. We have an episode I'm on I'm just it. saying okay. things are in place for a reason, okay. right? Okay. Um, there's definitely some truth to that. He has spent tens of thousands of hours at the bedsides of the dying. He has been with more than 2,000 people as they passed on, and they're usually Damn. military. So uh, I'll just put a link to his stuff because he's got more details to that. Yeah. <clears throat> I had a story. Um, I won't go into too much depth with it, but it was also military. And a guy was in a foxhole with his friend, mm-hmm. and uh, they got hit with a mortar. And his friend <clears throat> like took the impact, and he said, I have no idea how I didn't get damaged to this. But his, his friend fell into his lap immediately Ugh. passed away but again it's the same experience like Peter's where when his soul got sucked up or his being or whatever that it took him with him oh. and that he was going up with his friend and this die? was his buddy this wasn't a random yeah. guy this was his friend and that he was looking down on his body slumped over holding his friend <laughs> wow and then when his friend got to that spot he shot back down which would suck because he went straight back to war yeah you know what I yeah. mean and he's Come a, out returning some in a foxhole you know with yeah. his, obviously his friend has passed I'm sure there's a sense of peace of knowing you know yeah Um. and I, I to your you know, branching off what you said, I've never been through anything like that. I've I have not served, and very thankful for the people that make that sacrifice. And no one, you don't know what you don't know, right. and you can't even pretend to know. And it's a selfish thing to even try to do so. Um, so I can't imagine what you know anything like that would be like, or what is on your brain. You know, for you know who knows of like what you did during any time of your life, including yeah. military. So that would be very difficult. Uh, so hopefully, you know. Yeah. If people listen to stories like that. There is like a, a sense, sense of, of peace, comfort. like, dude, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, you're good. Like, yeah. Just live your life, like, be a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to finish mine up. I got one more okay. thing. I'm going to do actual testimonies from people. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't, don't forget, we have to leave time for Chuck yeah, yeah. in his truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check the truck. <laughs> so this is, um, these are, you know, I already told you there were the different categories yes. of, of how you could sense it. So this one was um, bedside. They were there. Um, this is the testimony. Then I got this feeling it was different than any other moment. I just knew it was her time, you know, right when I said, I'm here, God's here. I felt light. I felt the whole room was weightless and I was weightless. I saw her go towards this bright light, but I didn't see her face. It was like, I saw something go toward and I knew it was her and it happened like really fast because later I was like, how long did that really take? You know, how did this all just happen? So this was again, somebody chilling in the room and was a part of an experience of the person passing on to the other side. That was Christina. Um, This I think was more of like a sensing, a witnessing one day after our visit, I had a dream that night. I was with her in her apartment she was young, beautiful, and happy. Her sister was with her. I looked at the clock on her wall, and it said 3 a.m. When I woke up, I knew that she had passed. When I arrived at the facility, I asked one of the nurses about her, and they said that she had died during the night. I asked uh, to look up the time, and her passing was recorded at 3 a.m. Yeah, and I, um, to my own testimony, 
have had had something similar to that. Not exactly like that, but my aunt Laura had passed away um, sooner than she was supposed to. And, you know, it was, it was one of those things where it was really difficult, I think for a lot of people in the family, you know, there was a lot of family history there that was tied to it. Um, and then I had a dream one night and the room in my dream, everything was white. There was no anything. It was like nothingness of white. And she was standing in the middle of the room and she looked the way that she re- that I remember her looking whenever I was a kid, mm. which was like, in my opinion, like at her best. Yeah, she was a singer. Yeah, she was, you know, she was just vibrant. Um, and she used to sing like Shania Twain, so she dressed <laughs> nice. the part. She had yeah. that, you know, that that I don't know. I've seen pictures of your. Yeah, she's very beautiful. Yeah, she was. Um, and you know, that was that moment in my dream was a younger part of her life, and she told me in that dream to go tell my dad and to go tell her son, my cousin Kyle, that she was okay and that everything was good. Yeah. You know? And again, you know, I, to this day, which I'm not going to go into the terms of the death or stuff, but Mm -hmm. based on what we learn here on earth and things that were told, whether that's from different versions of Christianity and, or the way we're supposed to live our lives, you get scared, you know? And you wonder, you get scared of like, you want you hope you almost hope there's something that's not what you, it may be or right. that, that is on the other side because the idea of seeing the people that you love when you pass is like that's what you want you know you don't want to feel like it's over or that you're alone right um, so you know there's a tremendous amount of peace to me even that came with that and yeah. like being able to deliver that message to them and I, I think it was even significant i think it was obviously intentional that it came to you because even though she had a brother and a son alive you were already at a place in your life um you have lots of stories at a young age where you kind of had that window open i feel like and you've yeah. seen enough spiritual things and so maybe it was easier for her to like yeah maybe so yeah know. um guiding so um, there's a testimony from a guy. He was, I was relaxing in his seat when a vision came to him. His father was there and he was confused and he didn't know where to go. Aww. Inherently, the son knew his dad needed to go toward a light. Mm-hmm. He helped him and he watched his father walk through a portal. And when the son landed, because he was on a plane, he learned that his father passed oh away. Oh my God. Shit. Dude. Is that not insane? Oh, I have so many chills right now. Like that's... that's <clears throat> wow. What, ugh. What's... Yeah, so that's that's pretty oh intense. My God. Um, there was also another one, and this one was actually pretty scary. This was on the side that yeah, I don't think you'd want to be on, kind of like the nurse. Mm-hmm. This woman lived in um, Europe, and her mom was in the U.S. And at this point in time, she wasn't able to get to the U.S., but her mom was having complications, um, and she was trying to find time to get over. You know. And we make excuses not to travel an hour away. Could you imagine having to get a plane to another country? So she was in her office and all of a sudden she started choking and she couldn't breathe and she was out of breath and she fell to the floor. This is a healthy woman. Mm -hmm. hasn't had any complications, no history of anything medical. Um, And she is struggling, crawling across the floor to catch her breath. And then she can even get, she's like, can get her, She's regaining her senses enough to where she can collect herself. Um, but while she was doing it, she knew it was like a connection that her mother was suffering and that her mother was wow. about to pass. Wow. Um, so she made her way to her phone. Um, and as they called her, and she was still out of breath and suffering. She, the the nurse on the phone was like, yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like your mother is having a really difficult time breathing right now. She can't breathe. Like she's struggling to have air. And then all of a sudden she got a, a deep breath. Oh God. And then they told her that her mom passed oh away. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was like a connected death yeah. experience, yeah. you know? So in other countries. Yeah, exactly. On, you know, essentially different parts of the world. And she was connected to, you know, her mom in that sense. Even to the leaves. Yeah. Okay. Into right. the nets. <laughs> Good point. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap it up. With, Chuck, first, with before his Chuck, I want to talk about Dr. Alexander. He oh. has written um, books that I'll also link. I have not read these yet, but I ordered them. And I think what's significant about him is he is a neurosurgeon. Yeah. So if anyone is, you know, not just a scientist and a doctor, but works specifically with the brain, and because of his own experience, his big push right now is, you know, that we have to be 
for lack of better words, more open-minded because when the evidence says one thing, we cannot just default to what we've been told for the last whatever amount of years. We have to always listen to the evidence, right? And so he is a big believer in that the brain and the mind are separate, which I think we can all agree to some extent, right? That feels natural. Um, mm-hmm. And we all use different words, soul, spirit, mind, whatever, but that consciousness is separate from the physical body and that consciousness existed and created physical form and not the other way around. A lot of us believe you're born, you have a physical body, and therefore <clears throat> a consciousness gets thrown in there or created because of it. And and it, to me, it makes more sense that consciousness, whatever is inside of this vessel, existed before this and is the one in control and therefore leaves when the body is done. Um, but he is um, he has no religious preset. He used to write off any like vague things that he would hear from patients. He just never paid attention to it, never gave it any credit. He was like, oh, hallucinations or whatever. Never looked at the evidence, which is why he chastises himself, not just, you know, other people. <clears throat> he had a very rare case of meningitis that caused severe brain injury and put him in a coma for a week. And they said, because, and they had, they went into details, like the pus on it, yeah. things, all the disgusting infection. They were like, if he survives this, which he won't, then he will not have brain, you know, he will be a vegetable basically. Um, he, so he comes back, they're shocked. They're shocked that he can say anything. Um, he wrote down his experience. His son, who's also in training to be a neurosurgeon said to, um, write down his memories before he read or researched anything else. So it wouldn't be like colored, I guess, by what he read. Mm -hmm. And it all lines up so much, which we went over that earlier. So many of these experiences are similar enough. Um, so that's just something I want to put out there. I'm going to put it on the blog. Um, And I love this quote from him. He said, the brain is more a prison from which our conscious awareness is liberated at the time of bodily death. It enables a robust afterlife that also involves reincarnation. Um, Our choices matter tremendously and free will is a crucial component, a component of evolving reality. So just want to put that out there. Now let's talk about Chuck. (coughs) Good old Chuck is a guy with um, a motorcycle and he um, is. If you Probably had a fucking truck. Listen, he got hit by a truck. Oh, Chuck is fantastic. I, I think I may link the video because he's just this old guy with a you know head full of hair and a ponytail. And he's got his one earring and his leather jacket. I mean, exactly what you would look for in a guy who rides a motorcycle, right? But he's just like everybody for. else is like telling their story, and he's like, and then what happened? This motherfucker, <laughs> you know. I just love Chuck. Okay, so uh, basically, he was coming around this. Uh, curve. He sees the truck. The truck doesn't see him. So he throws himself off of his motorcycle in an attempt to like kind of throw himself off of the road. Right. And he like he, like half his palm is missing from the asphalt of like trying uh-huh. to stop himself. Right. So he stops himself right um, in front of the truck, and the truck wheels go and land on top of him. Oh shit! And he said his he felt his chest like his ribs crack like he's like it's like a saltine cracker package that somebody just stepped on you just feel it and he shattered his entire rib cage snapped and then it pierced his lungs which affected you know obviously his airway and all that stuff he said that um later when he could when he came back to his body in the ambulance it was like his chest was like a bowl of jelly with like things Ugh. floating in it I'm like oh right <laughs> um, he also broke his pelvic bone um, his spleen, lots of other crazy injuries. One thing that makes me laugh, which is <laughs> terrible, but I just try. I know in a, a moment of tragedy or like people are shocked and they do dumb things, but the guy driving the truck hits this, tries to stop, rolls on top of this guy who was on a motorcycle, gets out of the car and is like, I didn't see you. And Chuck is like, do you see me now? <laughs> and that's literally what he told the guy, do you see me now? And then he goes, could you maybe move the truck off of my chest? Because it's like four tons, right? So the guy just kills me that he gets out. Kills me, I shouldn't say that. He got out of his truck while he's still like laying on top of, like why wouldn't you get off of him? But okay. Um, the man got out of the truck, had to be told by the guy who's dying to get, you know, back into the truck. The other thing that I thought was great was um, we talked about the warm light and stuff. And Chuck, so it's like, he was like, yeah, it was like slipping into a warm jacuzzi. Where the, the, the air <laughs> in a Speedo. <laughs> it was just right, the right temperature, right? Sitting right on that um, jet. So yeah. he... Um, he saw his mother and his grandmother. And this kind of alludes to your experience with your Aunt Laura. I think um, he said that he knew that it was his grandmother and his mother, but they looked like their youngest best form. 
You know, mm-hmm. he he recognized them, but they were at like not the age that he knew them. They're prime. Yeah. Um, and then they he was running toward them and he was so excited to see them. Could you imagine like you, like let's just say me, I'm passing away. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just pretend at this time my parents have already passed. Okay. And I see 25, 30 year old Jimmy. <laughs> What's up? I'm like, who the fuck are you? I only know you from pictures, bro. Your little curly brown afro. Get out of here. <laughs> Can't call you dad, man. You know that, right? <laughs> um, so um, he sees his mom and his grandmother and he wants to go toward them. And I love this because he's just such a down to earth guy. So they're like, was. right? Literally. <laughs> They're like, you can't stay. We love you. And he was so mad. He's like, he stomped his foot. And he was like, I was just like I was back at being a child. My mom was like, you can't go. And I was like, fuck this. I didn't do nothing. He was like, I was so mad. I was like stomping back to my body. Like, I was so mad. It just makes me so mad. The bowl of jelly. What do you want me to do about this? <laughs> exactly. So um, anyway, fast forward, he does come back to his body. He obviously has lots of injuries that he has to recover from. But what's funny is, too, it shows interviews between him and his um, sister for most of it. And uh, he says that, you know, how it affects his life afterward and blah, blah, blah. He says, now when he hears of other people who have died, other people are, like, sad. And he's like, you lucky bastard. <laughs> and his sister's, like, hitting him on the head, like, you can't say that at a funeral. Right. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I had to go back because part of his journey was surviving that accident. I mean, you know, going to be part of his 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 growth on this journey. And right, like, exactly. Can't come now, bro. Right, you got to. This is it, it dog. He's so mad. You got to yeah. survive it. So I thought that was a fantastic way to wrap up it's the things. Chuck, <laughs> good old Chuck in the truck. Chuck in truck. Fuck, I don't want to be truck. here. Yeah, truck. yeah. Keep on chucking. Okay, so um. Give me that. To decide what to do with that. And I know that we need to wrap this up because Chase has to go to work. Oh, Adam. Are you giving it to yourself? I win. The gnat is real, by the way. And I hate it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to choose a winner. And I'm going to do that right now. I like your hat. Thanks. Come on. It's not going to help. Damn it. I felt like I earned this one. Last week, I wasn't sure. Oh. Losing never felt so good. <laughs> He's just it's giving true. it to me because of my enthusiasm and he's afraid I'll die. <laughs> this light shit sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. Great. I'm done here. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Fucking God. Gen 1. Okay, for those of you listening, can't see. Okay, bye. We're in the Matrix. We're all batteries. It's all real. It's not real. It's all fake. Uh, thank you so much for listening. listening. Yes. com. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's time for the main event. Time for the main